part of her call to greatness and, and, and church. Uh, there was really still just one church. <laughs> it was Morningstar, and we would meet, and there would, uh, we, I would come and be uh, to the, the, the campus meeting, and there would be a white guy up there with a guitar. And, if you, and I say it like that and, and because I'm from inner city Houston, and everything is kind of more, uh, or down there is more flamboyant, you know, drums and everything, and choir and things. So, but also what would happen is things like what Anna just did with just prophetic words coming out and encouragement and just organic and just like, look, because I really believe that's how the church operated, uh, you know, when the church was originally created and started, that people, you know, they had a word, man, they would come up and share, they were praying for people. And I think it might have said something like that about that in Acts anyway, about, you know, just people prophesying in the spirit, falling upon people. Um, I'm here to, to not in a sense, book in, I'm, I'm here to book in the, the thematic thing we've been going through with building on the rock, but yet continue what you've already been doing and, and let continue to challenge you as you continue to grow in that word uh, and what God has already said to you. Uh, so um, I, I enjoy coming here, even though I'm a, a Jayhawk at heart, you know, Emo Nation, you know, whatever gets people saved and, and, and moving towards the kingdom of God, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, and, and this place has a special uh, uh, part of my heart, mostly because uh, of the hubs and everything. I, they gave me my first car, all right? I'll never forget that. And if you've ever been someone who got that first car and was, like, surprised and excited about it, I'm, like I said, I'm from Houston, and one thing we used to do was we had what are called slabs. Slabs are cars that you dress up. So when he gave me this Toyota Cressida, I put a car, <laughs> best car, I put some tins in the back, and I was banging, uh, I was banging Lecrae and 116 when they were like beginning, beginning, you know, cross moving stuff like that. And so, uh, it was, it, it was a blessing to me. And that, uh, um, and and so I've known her for you know a tremendously long time prior to Tori and I getting married. My lovely wife Tori, if you haven't met her yet, you know, uh, 16 and a half years when we first we had known each other on the campus and and through Call to Greatness uh, before we actually. We're interested in one another, but when that started happening, I was like, you know, Tori, you know, I'm really digging you and everything, and, but I'm from the streets, you know, I'm from the industry, so Houston, it's, it's crazy down there, and she was like, well, I'm from the gravel of back country, you know, and north of Emporia. I was like, Tori, you don't understand, you don't understand, I'm, I'm where they carry guns, 40s, 9s, it's just, they get roofed out there. She goes, that's cool, cool. I know people who wear shotguns and rifles. It's all gravy. It's all gravy. I was like, no, 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 you're not feeling me. I'm, I'm, there are animals out there, too. I mean, if you go back to see where I'm from, you don't see animals. People, just, it's just ruthless. She goes, that's okay. I've seen mountain lions, cattle. I'm gravy. We good, we good. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe, well, maybe we are meant for each other. You know what I'm saying? So um, we, we currently live in Fort Scott. Uh, with our knucklehead, I mean, I'm sorry, our son, Zeb, and two of our uh, daughters, you've probably already met them, Ayana and Izzy, and we're loving what we're doing down there in Fort Scott, but there, we're already in a position where we're praying about uh, what the next phase of life will be for us. And so if you think about praying for us, pray for us in that, in that regards, and, and that we would hear clearly from God. Um, to recap what we've uh, talked about already, um, the first thing is week one, we heard that it's our responsibility to build our house on a rock. And not only did Rich tell you that, he gave you a tool, S-O-A-P, SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. 
all right? And you're going to have a lot of fun today. I'm not going to ask you if you're going to have I'm going to tell you. You're going to have a lot of fun today, believe me. And here's your first fun opportunity. Is there anybody in 30 seconds they want to tell me what they have been journaling about? One, just one entry from a soap. I know, I know, I know, it's tough. I told you, but we're going to have fun. In week two, our ability to follow Jesus is directly correlated to our willingness to read and apply scripture. We got that from Bailey a couple weeks ago. And she went so, so bold with it that she said, she asked, sounds like one of her prayers was, God, would you offend me? She was, prior to reading, she would say, God, would you offend me? That's, that, she sounds young to me, because I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would enter my time with God, like, offend me, because I know he'll do it, right? It's one of those prayers that he'll do. Week three, uh, Michael talked about the worldview of dismantling narratives. Anyone have a narrative that has been uprooted? Anyone? A narrative. If you attended the Kingdom U University, I could tell you there's some narratives that I had that were being broken down or God was already breaking down and he just added more evidence to it. What I want to do is show you, uh, if you would go to this, uh, the slide that has the arrows on it, this, I, I have to show you this because I'm going to say some things. I'm gonna, and this is the plane that's taking off, all right? The plane is going to take off, and we're going to be at a, about 30,000 feet for a little bit. Um, there are going to be a couple parachutes to give you a time to, you know, if you need to get out of here, you know, because it's going to get rough uh, as when the plane begins to land. We're going to hit some turbulence. But I, I show, I'm showing you this picture because I, I have some things I want to show you, and then I'm going to go into the transforming power of God the transforming power of the word of God and, how, and, and, and applying that. But the first thing is I want to t- tell you about a vision when I was probably about in kindergarten, maybe first grade. And we had all been invited to this birthday party across the street from the elementary I was attending. And back then, um, they had long ropes and a knot on, like 20 knots on the rope, and you would hold on to the knot and you would cross the street or go outside when you were, you know, supposedly doing something dangerous, you know, with the teacher, teacher in the front, teacher in the back. And we're going over just across the street to this house. And I remember as I'm crossing the street, the sun is shining down upon me, you know, on everyone. It's just this beautiful day. Lawns are clipped. Everything just looks gorgeous. And not only am I about to go get a cupcake, but I, when I get to the house, it's, it's laid out nicely, and there's a playground set in the backyard. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is heaven. This is how a community should be. And immediately that vision that I was reminded was snatched from me as a six, seven, eight-year-old because of the neighborhood I was growing in, all right? The stuff I told you about, you know, touring out, the stuff that, 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 you know, guns and monsters and things like that, that was real in the inner city. That was real for me. And that, that picture of that community, that vision of a community, what I thought it should look like was snatched because of the reality of where I was at. Follow me now. That's one thing. No one wakes up. I'm switching to something else. No one wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to live the same life I lived yesterday. I truly believe, I truly believe everyone wakes up and goes, you know, I want to live at a new normal. I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better scientist. I want to be a better cook or whatever it is that you're putting your hands. So I want to be a better mother. You, you, you think that when you wake up. When I wake up, I think I got to be a better husband. I got to be someone who, who my wife can depend on or whatever it is that we might have had a, a little small fight. We don't have a big fight, a little small fight about. I think that, I think that. How can I be a better father, right? How can I show my son just because you're growing, I still got it and you better chill out, you know? Hey, you know, just how can I be a better father to my son and, my da- and, our, and our daughters? So I, I believe that 
we all have that innate desire in our heart to want to be better. All right. Um, that desire, though, comes from God image bearing that he put in us. That he's called us to be agents here on this earth. And you might ask, well, how do you know that? We're in Mark six is an example. In this verse, I read it about eight, nine years ago, and it struck me very hard. And it took me a couple years to actually figure it out. But in Mark 6, and I'm going to uh, read starting in verse 47, it says, uh, Jesus had just got through feeding the masses, and he sends the disciples across the, the lake, and he's, he looks out at them, and he goes, And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully. For the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. He intended to pass them by. One reason he was doing that was because he was revealing repeatedly to the disciples, hey, look, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah, the one to come. I'm the one that all the prophets, the prophecies talked about. But even more than that, he was showing them that, hey, I need you to take responsibility for what's going on here. How do we know that? Well, if you go back a couple verses, remember, they was like, hey, send the people away. They asked for food. You know, you know, I didn't get a full check this week. And he was like, no, 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 you feed them. Remember, in Matthew's account of this, he's, Jesus calls Peter out on the water. What I'm saying is we have a responsibility. We are supposed to be agents here on this earth for God's kingdom, operating in his power. <clears throat> One more frame for you guys. My mother, Brenda Faye Allison, I, I like, whenever I quote her, I always say Faye means faith and, and also fairy tale. But she would say, I'm not going to always be here. And that's what Jesus was literally doing with the disciples. That was this form of discipleship, you know, showing them how to take responsibility for where they're at. So my mom would pull us aside. Hey, this is how you wash dishes. This is how you do, do the clothes, take care of vehicle. Because I'm not going to always be here. You need to be responsible for this. And this, and this analogy breaks down because Jesus is obviously always with us. He's omnipresent, right? But he is one to say, you know, huh, here, take care of this for me so that I can go and do this or establish someone else in this other city, right? And so, and we find that first inclination of that in Adam and Eve. When he gives them and he puts them in the garden and he says, advance the garden, expand the garden, right? But what happens in the garden? They go from administrators to narrators. Administrating the kingdom of heaven and advancing it to narrating what the kingdom of heaven was supposed to be like, right? When they took and they ate from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, they then became for themselves able to decide what is good and evil. And because of that, we all have fallen to that, deciding for ourselves what was good and evil. Because of some of the things that had happened to my parents growing up and family members, and even me in some occasions, I grew up with this mistrust for white people. And so going and attending uh, KU, getting on campus, and there was nothing wrong with the, the, the black church or churches there. But what was happening, when I say I was reached on the campus, there was this one white guy who kept getting on my nerves that kept reaching out to me to make sure I would understand what the gospel was. And in the midst of that, God was revealing to me, it's not the ethical issue that is, that is, that is, is, is the problem. It was a sin issue, and he began to reveal to me more and more that I am calling people to me of different economies, different, different races, different uh, uh, statuses to create my kingdom of heaven. And that's what drew me 
to what Carter Greatness was doing, what Morningstar was doing, and et cetera. And what I was really seeing what the gospel was. Because I began to break down this narrative that I had already decided. I studied African African American studies and, and English creative writing. And so I began to, I had a, these narratives that I was developing about what, what was really going on at, uh, ethnicity-wise. I, I, I had to figure it out. But God began to break those narratives down. And before I go any further, I want to give uh, our friend uh, Natalie an opportunity to share about how she has been applying the, the, the soap in uh, uh, her, her learnings and a testimony that she has. So do we have that microphone? Thanks. So a verse that impacted me during the last 21 days is Matthew 6, 24. Um, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. So sometimes in, in times of stress, I can trust more in what like my anxiety or fear of man says about me than what God says about me. So to combat combat this I started like declaring whenever like those thoughts come up like I refuse to worship at the altar of blank so just like you know like recognizing that behavior and like cutting it off like that's not a game that we play so um it's like for example like if I'm was working on like an assignment and it was super difficult I was like this shouldn't be that difficult you know like obviously you know this is some like issue with with you as a person, so, but then I cut that off, like, I refuse to worship at the altar of self-deprecation, instead, um, God, um, made me capable and valuable, so I can do this, so, that's how I've been kind of rewriting how I think about things. Come on now, come on. One, one interview question, Natalie, one interview question, has that been painful for you? Um, I think it definitely takes a little bit to like I don't know like realize your behavior because you don't want to think about like I think like using like the words like worship at the altar of like you you're just like oh I just kind of you know feel anxious sometimes or you know think these things about myself but instead of saying like you're agreeing with something that's other than God whenever you know let that narrative play out yeah, I think that yeah. Come on now. definitely thing the uh go you um yeah give her a clap please The, the, the truth is that we are really incapable of being who God has called us to be without the power, the transforming power of the word of God. We're incapable of being that angel. We're incapable of taking the responsibility. We're incapable of walking on water. We're incapable of bringing about the vision of that community I had without the transforming power of the word of God. And that, transform, that transformation you seek is found in his word. But I must warn you, don't you just love those commercials? Hey, do you, they, sh they tell you what your problem is, right? And they give you an answer to your problem, and then they hit you with the but, right? Hey, you have this issue, but this pill will take care of it. But there are side effects. There are side effects. It might cause intense blood pressure or whatever. The word of God is painful and uncomfortable because it reveals the intentions of our heart and shows us where our hearts are not aligned with the word of God, which is true regardless of whether you, whether you believe it or not. 
Wow, that ought to, that ought to challenge you to uh, share the gospel more, right? Uh, or how often you share the gospel, right? Sometimes we get a little fearful of sharing the gospel, thinking about the other person's reaction. But you know what? It's true whether they believe it or not. In order to live the way we were created to live, we must be transformed by the truth, the renewing of our minds, and then applying that heart and mind transformation to our lives and actions. Are you guys wanting to continue right now? Here's your parachute opportunity. All right, think about it. Like, man, do I really want to keep going in this? Because this is where it's about to get a little, little, some turbulence. All right, hey, since you're heading to the door, lock the doors. Don't let anybody out. They didn't want to leave, so... <laughs> hey, I'm just giving you an opportunity to count your costs. There's kind of these outward painful things that happen when narratives break down. Like I said, I grew up in the inner city of Houston, right? The music was loud. Drums was banging. It was a party every time you went. And then you decide, you know what, I'm not going to go to the black church. I'm going to go to the white church. And there's a guy up there on guitar, and you don't even listen to uh, country music, right? <laughs> you know, there's these little things that are outwardly you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up. But then there's the pain that actually happens on the inside. The more I was encountering God, the more and more I felt like I was losing myself, losing who I was, and losing what I put everything on. It says here in 18, um, I'm pretty sure that's Mark 6, and all these verses should be ESV. I think that's the God-anointed version, unless uh, noted. But it says, and immediately they left their nets and followed. When Jesus passed by on that campus, I said, man, I, this is it. I think this is, this is him. I'm a following. And I had to leave something that I had security in. I had pride in. And then it continues, that, and going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee. If you remember back then, that was those moments, you know, what happened was you were, you were working with your dad so you could learn the trade because then he was going to hand the business over to you. The pain of giving up everything that you had built upon. When Tori and I got, Tori and I got married, that was, family, uh, that was the way I knew to run a family and that was the way she knew to run a family. And there were some things we both had to give up so that we could become this one that God has called us into. Moving on. All right, this is, uh-oh, okay, Lord, it's here. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to represent, to present your bodies as living sacrifice. If you're going to be an agent, you're going to have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Anyone know what a sacrifice is? Just a little bit, nah, give it to me. Just, you know, anyone, anyone like to hunt out here? All right, all right, all right. Anyone skinned an animal before? But no, you guys are going to have to come hang out with me a little bit. It is not the funnest thing to do, and I can tell you that animal is not having fun when it's happening. And this is the crazy thing. He said you've got to be a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Anyone ever had that moment where it's like, look, man, we all did this, but if one of us take the fall, if one of us take the fall, man, we'll all get off. A living sacrifice. Continue, says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing, your, by, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The war is coming, the storm is coming, right? It talks about in Luke 6, right, that, that uh, if you uh, do what I say, you'll be like a person who built a house on the rock, and when the storms came, they were still standing, 
The storm is coming, and I tell you, it is indeed here. It is the, indeed here in your city, in, on the campus, near your home, maybe in your home. What are you going to do? You've got to continue to apply the transforming word of God. Uh, Hebrews 12. And I, and I chose this section of scripture because there's about 15 times he mentions a certain word, and I'm sure you'll pick up on it. In your struggle, right, that sounds easy, against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. So there's, a, there's probably a point we're going to shed blood. That, that doesn't sound fun. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addressed you as sons? My son, do not regard the light discipline. All right? And this is for girls, too, ladies also. All right? You, it, it, it's, it's proven if you go look up the word sons, it, 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 it's, it, it's for women also. If I got to be the bride of Christ, you got to be the sons in this also, okay? So do not regard the discipline lightly of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. All right? Uh, Ian, Zeb, I don't see any other kids in here, but if, if the, the whoopings at home increase, it's not me, it's the word of God. I don't know about you, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear discipline, it's just maybe, maybe I was a bad kid growing up. But when I hear discipline, I just hear spankings. I just hear whippings, you know, beat downs. Like. So I'm sure God is going to be more loving than my parents were, but it still sounds like it hurts. Um, what is discipline? Discipline is doing the right thing every time rightly. And that's how we get righteousness. Doing the right thing Every time, rightly. Another friend of ours said, practice forms habits, habits forms reaction, reaction takes no energy. So practicing over the right thing to do, that it becomes a habit, right? Many of you woke up this morning, you probably can't say how many times you brushed your teeth, how many times you went back and forth, but it's such a habit that it's a reaction that it took no energy, that you just, you just did it. And that's what God is calling us to do, right? But it's painful. It says 10,000 hours to form a skill. 10,000 hours to form a skill. Repeatedly, the discipline, the discipline to do it over and over. Of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he receives. Oh, chastises. When I was growing up, my dad would say, don't make me chastise you. And then if you did it again, he would punch you in the chest, right? So... Uh, I'm sure they accomplished the same thing, but like I said, it sounds painful. I'm going to go back and tell them, hey, it was actually chastised, Dad. You, you were doing the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, he would say, i spank you right now, and I'll go, okay. All right, verse 7. It is for discipline that you have endured. God is treating you as sons. But what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are legitimate children and not, and not sons. Anyone ever played sports before? All right? All right? Anyone ever felt the moment where you feel like, man, the coach is not really saying anything to me. I must be doing an awesome job. No, the phrase actually is, if the coach is not saying something to you, he's giving up on you. He's giving up on you. All right, so I'm not going to continue in that, but the verses continue for another three or four times. Well, actually, I am. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
We have to be this agent. We have to be these folks who are able to go into any situation. The storm's coming down. I'm, I'm, I know how to act out in righteousness. I'm having a fight with my spouse. I know how to act out in righteousness. I didn't even do that. That's not even my fault, but I know how to act in righteousness. I know how to go on a campus, but I know, and, and it's, it's an uproar. I know how to act out in righteousness. But to get to that point, to get to that point, you have to be willing to endure the pain and transformation that the Word of God is going to bring to you. Many people want to bail out on it. Many people want to, want to uh, uh, skip that part of it. A guy, he's walking through the woods, decides to take a seat by a, a tree and relax a little bit. And all of a sudden, he looks on the ground and he sees this little white thing kind of rolling back and forth. And he picks it up and sees this little bit of slit in it. And he can tell, oh, this, this is a cocoon. This is a butterfly. Oh, oh. Whips out his pocket knife, cuts it open, and the butterfly rolls out and falls to the ground. What he didn't know was that that cocoon was there, that as the butterfly continues to press and break against that cocoon, it strengthens his wings or her wings to come out and be able to fly. Because it didn't have that cocoon, that butterfly ended up dying because it did not fly. The word of God is wanting to come around you and press you and strengthen you and make you righteous and make you train. How do we know that the word wants to do this? Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active. Okay, that's not too bad. But then it goes on and says sharper. Then sharper. That sounds dull. No, not at all. Sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit. I mean, that's deep. That's deep, guys. That doesn't sound easy. That doesn't sound simple. To the joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. To those who must give an account, I cannot escape that vision. I cannot escape the community I saw. And repeatedly, God is challenging me. Are you going to bring about the community that I am establishing? Are you going to bring about the community that I am establishing? And there's there's certain things I just want to do. There's certain ways I just want to run things. But God has said, no, what about the community I have for you? You, you, you. At this point, I normally would ask or say, hey, here's, here's what you could do next, or this is how it would go. You already know what to do. It, it, the idea is really simple. Read your word, soak, journal. Join a com- community group, connect group, small group, right? Get engaged, uh, not get engaged, but engage in your church community, right? Go to the Super Bowl party or other events, and then go out and challenge other people with the faith that you have. That, that, that idea is simple. It's easy to remember. But now then go and execute it. Right? The thing is, though, you're going to have to wake up every morning, and you're going to have to ask yourself, like Bailey, am I going to tell him to offend me? And then when you decide yes, are you going to take the offense? Because that's really what's going to happen. That's really what's going to happen. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> God, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for the people that are here and what you're doing in their hearts, Lord. 
And Lord, even as you told Paul, uh, you told, um, I forgot his name, but you say, go get Paul. And he was a little bit nervous. And he said, no, I need to show him how much he will suffer for my name. And but through suffering, Lord, you learn obedience. You were able to do what we couldn't do, and that was die upon the cross and raise, be raised from the dead. And now you sit right inside of the uh, of God, Lord. Lord, we, Lord, strengthen us, our bones, our, our, our flesh, Lord, our spirit. We know it's willing, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord, to be able to take the pain that the word is going to bring about in our lives. But would remind us continuously of the reward, that we will, we will be trained by it. We'll be able to see really what it is you want us to do. We would know your will, and we can walk on water, Lord, doing what you had called us to do. We thank you, Lord. We bl- I bless everyone in here, Lord, with that strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, you coming back up? No? Am I closing the saying? Oh, all right. Well, Lord, hey, guys. I'm, I'm excited. I hope you come to the Super Bowl party. I'm going to be there because I heard there was food, all right, even though the Bible says live not by word alone, but uh, I mean not by food alone, but every word. So there will be word there too. So thank you guys, and you guys have a, have a wonderful Super Bowl Sunday.